Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hey, hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Got a great show for you today. It's all about uh, the biodiversity of Tennessee and excited to have Miss Pandy Upchurch with us and she's our assistant chief in the biological diversity division I think I got that right absolutely well, all right glad to have Pandy with us and I've got Mr. Don King with us today yes sir thanks for the invite Jason Pandy glad you could join us glad to be here so we're excited about today's show uh, uh, she gave this presentation. We're going to go through a presentation today, but she gave this at the last commission meeting, and I thought, man, this would be a great addition for Wildcast, and uh, folks at home need to know about this kind of stuff. Sure thing. The agency has their hands in a lot of things, and this yes. is a pretty cool side that we uh, yes. we are a part of. So that's right. We've got five new commissioners that have come on board. One of them is a, is a We've, we've known him before in a previous life as a commissioner, but uh, but four new ones, so it was really good for you to be able to share this information with them, Pandy, because right. a lot of times, you know, uh, our, our our commissioners are our, our bosses. You know, they are, they're right. the ones appointed to uh, oversee our agency. And, right. And, uh, and so anyway, it was, it was great educational, and I learned a lot, too. So I, I always do from you. Well, so. thank you. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in and um, and start with uh, the first slide. There's the title slide, Pandy Upchurch, uh, Assistant Chief. But um, we'll start with the diversity of Tennessee and most the most wildlife diverse inland state. Tell us about that. Absolutely, and a lot of folks don't know that. They, don't, you know, I led off with a commission saying, you know, most folks just don't realize how blessed we are in Tennessee right. to have such diversity. Uh, we are the most biodiverse inland state in, in the country, and we can't compete with coastlines, you know, so we right. don't have marine animals, but we've got everything else, you know, because Tennessee is, is such an incredibly diverse state, both as far as the species go, as far as the habitats go, the topography of, of the state is so diverse. It's amazing how it changes across the absolutely, state. Absolutely, absolutely. Going from the, the swamps of real foot, you know, all the way to to, you know, the, the coastal plain. Folks forget about these in-between zones like the coastal plain, which have their own, you know, set of species uh -huh. out, out there, especially in, in West Tennessee when you've got the, the herpetology going on with the amphibians and the, and the reptiles. Right. You know, and then you get to Middle Tennessee with the cedar glades, you know, incredibly unique habitats that have incredibly unique species associated with them. You know, and then moving on to the plateau, which has some of the, you know, the most, you know, broad, you know, spread forest uh -huh. in, in the state. So because of those forests, that, have, that are still there. We have a, a lot of biodiversity there and then moving on to the Ridge and Valley. And then, of course, the mountains. Yeah. You know? And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the mountains are incredibly diverse as far as, you know, especially amphibians, uh, salamanders in particular. And, and you know, not only are we in the sweet spot as far as rainfall, you know, we have a lot of rainfall in Tennessee. Uh, we're blessed with so many rivers, 60,000 miles of streams wow. uh, in the state, you know, and then that diverse topography. Uh, but, you know, the, the glaciation period, you know, everything just kind of turned in our favor as far as the glaciers coming down. Uh -huh. They pushed a lot of species into Tennessee, but they didn't cover us up, you know, <laughs> so they stopped. And so they pushed things here, you know, put a lot of uh, animals here. Again, that topography divided them up. They speciated. And, and so that gives us an incredibly wonderful, diverse state. That's a new term, speciated. Uh, <laughs> I like that. 
Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one. So, so mammals, 77 mammals in the state? Yes. Uh, and 56 reptiles, 32 snakes, mm-hmm. nine, nine types of lizards, species of lizards, 15 turtles. There you go. 77 amphibians, 21 frogs and toads, and 56 salamanders. And you know what? So a lot of times when we're talking about biodiversity, we're talking a numbers game, and those numbers are always changing. Mm-hmm. They're always changing. I mean, that's our job in the biodiversity uh-huh. division is go out there and look for things, find out where things are, map where they are, so we'll know where to manage them. But, you know, in, in, you know, so you see that frogs and toads, that's actually 22 now. Okay. Because uh, we've got, you know, sometimes we have, you know, frogs just come in and, and call and, uh, okay, we'll put them on the list. So, so you know, the you, Plains leopard frog is a new one from, from West Tennessee. Huh. So, do you so. seem that? Seem like you find new ones regularly. Well, like I guess the frog was the last one you found, or something. As new. far as frogs go, you know, and a lot of times with things like crayfish, uh-huh. you know, the, with the the you know DNA things these days, being able to look at you know species chromosomes, you know, a lot of times they're being divided up based on their chromosomes cool. as well. So that speciates things as, as well, creates uh-huh. new species. Um, but but every now and then, you yeah. know, you know, so for for bats. Forever, it was 14 species of bats, and then it's 15 species of bats. And you, because we found a Brazilian free-tailed bat in Clarksville in a gymnasium, so you know you, you put it on a list. <laughs> That's a strange place to have a bat. <laughs> I know, but two, we've had two Brazilian free-tailed bats in Clarksville. So wow. you know, some of these military animals get interesting too, as far as you know, mm-hmm. Fort Campbell and Arnold <laughs> Air Force Base. You know, you, I don't know about the military, but sometimes <laughs> you, you end up with a new species on, on military bases. Um, all right, well, let's move. Move on. Uh, we probably said this already. Most biological diverse inland state in the U.S. Yeah. Number one in total fish species. The Duck River is the most diverse uh, river in North America. National Geographic did a, a presentation on that in 2010. They did a, a that magazine. That was quite a presentation, yeah. wasn't it? Yes. That was really yes. Good. That was an incredible magazine article in, in Tennessee. You know, you know, made the news as far as biodiversity in one square meter. Uh-huh. You know, in, in the Duck River. So uh, most diverse river in in North America, there's more fish species in the Duck River than all of the European rivers combined. Hmm. So, I wow. mean, you know, folks don't realize how special. I wouldn't live anywhere else in the world but Tennessee. And you, I, you, never grew li- up, I, you grew up here, didn't you? I did. I did. And I haven't. I haven't traveled far because I'm still on the same farm I grew up on. So yes, I went to yeah, I went to school eighth and broad, even fog. So the, you don't get much more Nashvilleian than that. As uh, yeah, so yep, I'm I'm from Nashville, from Tennessee, and and glad to be here. Tennessee right. is just a cool say. state. It is. It's amazing. Absolutely. So. 297 nesting uh, birds. Yes. 319 fishes. Mm-hmm. The, the numbers on the mollusk and the mussels and all that, 517, 146 mussels, clams, 371 snails. Mm-hmm. Man. And the crustacean, crayfish, the shrimp. We have shrimp in Tennessee. Yeah, freshwater we have, shrimp. We have freshwater shrimp. Mm-hmm. They're tiny, but we have freshwater mm-hmm. shrimp. Of course, all well, not all shrimp are quite tiny, <laughs> but ours are. I like the jumbo shrimp. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably fried. They're on a skewer either. There, there you go. And, you know, and again, those those crustaceans. Actually, Bobby asked me. You know, she, he said, "I think we've got more, you know, than seventy-eight crayfish now." And I said, "Well, you know, they're they're out there making new ones as far as looking at their chromosomes." But but at last count, I had if we had seven. 78 uh, crayfish. Hey, let's pause just a second and talk about the Nashville crayfish. Sure, Absolutely. yes. Absolutely, yes. 
And uh, tell us a little bit about that. I, kn- I know it's made the news over the years and, and right. talking about being endangered and right. enlisted. But anyway, just kind of give us an update on, on the Nashville crayfish. Well, the Nashville crayfish occurs in the Mill Creek watershed. It's the only place in the world that it occurs, uh, it and its tributaries. And, and, you know, just right here at Ellington Agriculture Center, Seven Mile Creek runs into to Mill Creek. Right. And so we have Nashville crayfishes right here off of our campus. And it is endangered. It's been federally endangered. For, for many years, um, and you know, and because, because of that, you know, when we're permitting, you know, AREP, you know, aquatic alteration permits, you know, we, we take crayfish or Nashville crayfish into consideration. Uh-huh. So we don't stop projects, but you know, we just you, we just take the species into consideration and we try to work around them as sure. far as you know. When we first started looking at the numbers of, of Nashville crayfish, when we were removing dams, mm. so several dams have been moved in the Mill Creek watershed, and we do that so that that crayfish. Fish can move upstream and downstream, and fish can move upstream and downstream. We uh-huh. try to keep our streams connected. That's one thing that gives us a lot of biodiversity is the connection of, of, of streams. And so when we were doing those dam removals, uh, we we have to do crayfish sweeps, Nashville crayfish sweeps. That's what everybody has to do. So you have to get them out of the way where you're doing your work. So you move them upstream out of harm's way. But we were seeing that we were having to remove hundreds of them <laughs> to get them upstream. That's a good thing, right? That's yeah. a good thing. Thing. Oh, wow. that, that's a good thing. Plentiful. And they, they are plentiful, and, and it's not uncommon for them to be the, the dominant uh, crayfish in the stream. Huh. So, yes, yeah, so it is being um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is seriously considering removing the Nashville crayfish from the endangered species list. That's great news. So, yeah. that is good news. And, the, and, it, and they are in the process of removing it from the endangered species list. So, right. so that is good news. Um, so, it's almost an experimental thing because it's not very often that you remove a species from the endangered species. I mean, we, we have the bald eagle, and we'll be doing the same thing, at, at, you know, as far as monitoring. Mm-hmm. So we, we're already monitoring the crayfish. The uh-huh. Nashville Zoo is helping us to, to monitor them. They're going to monitor them for five years. If we see that their numbers are declining, then we have a, a, we can do an emergency relisting. Okay. But we're hoping that that's not going to be the case. So we're, gonna, we're keeping a very watchful eye, but it's good news that we're being able to remove them from the endangered species list. All right. Awesome. So, yep, and a lot absolutely. of this is to, this is work that people are out doing that the general public has no clue right. about. You right. know, you guys go on the the sweeps and the bat blitzes and the uh, the taking inventory of, of the salamanders right. and things. You know, it's it's just amazing work that you guys do. So. Absolutely. So yeah, we have uh, biodiversity coordinators across the state. We have a, a coordinator in each region. We've got you know someone who's doing those surveys in each. Re- that that's the best job in the agency. If you're out there <laughs> looking for a job, the absolute best job in the agency are those folks that get to go out there and stay in the field and do those surveys, right. you know, and that's the majority of their, their job. Once you move up here to the hill and you're doing administration stuff, it's, <laughs> it's like you're you're envious of the good old days. You find some time to get out when you can, right? I do. I do. Muddy. I yeah. do. You know, so yes, I do. Every chance I get, I get out there and, and follow folks that, that are that are doing the research now, but good. but yes, but we, we and, and those guys in the field, they do you know, we hadn't gotten to bats yet, but they do a lot of bat research. Mm-hmm. They're monitoring the caves and you know and and so much of the time we're we're looking at disease in wildlife these days so we're looking at things that could affect the biodiversity mm-hmm. of the state and so we have to keep a very watchful again watchful eye on, on those species that we know you know are at risk yeah and uh and so we're out there monitoring those awesome well, we're gonna keep moving we're gonna, okay. we're gonna run out of time we got uh birds 
300 yes. bird species in Tennessee. 300 bird species in Tennessee, absolutely. And, I, you know, that's an incredible number, you know, and, and there are folks, you know, David Haney is our bird conservationist for, for mm-hmm. the state, and he, he's uh, not in the office today. He's out there doing a breeding bird survey. So, uh, you know, the breeding bird surveys in the Tennessee Ornithological Society, that's some of the, the longest-running wildlife surveys that's, that's been done in, in the state. Huh. And so, you know, you know, Folks, we, we have the Tennessee Amphibian Monitoring Program that does frogs, um, and those people will complain, you know, well, I've got to learn 22 different species of frog songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, listen, <laughs> there's 300 bird species yeah. that if you're doing breeding bird surveys and, and you're doing point counts out there, you've got to know how to, you're you know. You're listening. And- you've got to, you've got to, you know, and as you get out there and you're doing fall warblers and spring migrants, you know. It's, I don't see how you keep up with Well, a little at a time, a little at a time over long periods of time. Well, if you're like me and you can't keep up with them, you can go to our website. Absolutely. TNWildlife.org. Absolutely. Click on wildlife, scroll down to birds. Man, there's a lot of uh, information there. Water birds, forest birds, grasslands, shrub birds, 100 common birds of Tennessee. So they're broken down where you can easily uh, research and find. If you see one in your yard, you can compare them. Right. And... uh, if there's not bird sounds on there now, there will be, and you can mm-hmm. listen to them and that kind of thing. So, That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Great resource. Absolutely. Our Watchable Wildlife pages So are, uh, are great wonderful resource but that's birds in tennessee mm-hmm. you know and, and and um i know we need to move on but but you know we've got our little metal lark over there we you know, one of the things that we do is manage for habitat mm-hmm. especially you know the, the entire agency is constantly managing for for habitat and and some of the bird species that we have to watch out for in biodiversity are our grassland bird species and so so we're doing things that to improve the native you know warm season grasses across the state the native grasslands that we have and folks don't think of grass lands in Tennessee, but you right. know, we've got bear, you know, Bark Camp Barrens is one of our wildlife management areas. It's just an incredible, well, that's one of the first uh, wildlife management areas that I started doing surveys on, mm. you know, and there, you know, there's Hinslow Sparrows down there, um, even short-eared owls in the wintertime, you know, things that people just don't even huh. imagine, you know, wow. and so, so yes, yeah, so we're uh, especially man- trying to manage for savannas, which are, mm-hmm. you know, you know, pine savannas and uh, oaks, you know, savannas where you've got open forests with right. grasses growing uh, in them, but also uh, grasslands, the barrens in, in that area. So cool. burning. So one of the things burning that we good. like. Burning is good. Burning is good. Good fires are good. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so we do a lot of burning when we can, when we get the opportunity to, to burn and create sure. good grassland habitat, manage grassland habitat awesome. for early successional species. Yes. Well, how about a little bit of this, huh? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that time again. Well, thank our Q&A singers there for uh, chiming in. But Oh, yeah. Claire at the front desk handles tons of calls from the public, as, as do our regional office personnel uh, across the state. You know, the, somebody will find a, what they think is an orphaned fawn. You know, they'll they'll see it in their yard, and they and they'll they'll call in. Oh, we've got this poor little orphan fawn. What do we do about it, uh, Pandy? You're the expert. What do we I mean, do? Yeah, yeah. 
That's right. I'm the expert at having you tell folks what they don't want to hear. And that is, that is, there you go. You know, most of the time, especially with Fawn, you know, the, the best thing is really to, to leave them alone. That's right. Um, you know, mama's somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, I've, being in the region, I would hear dispatch a lot of times, and they'll say, leave it, and if it's alive in the morning, it's okay. <laughs> oh, man. But that's you know, the truth. I mean, you know, it's you got to leave it alone. Yes, you, you yeah, the best thing is to, to leave it alone. You know, sometimes, you know, on rare occasions, there will mm-hmm. be a wild animal that is in a situation that's dangerous for it, that there's something that you can do about it. You know, if, if your dog is chasing the deer, yeah. you know, you know, you can put your dog up, yeah. you know, or, or you can, you know, get them out of harm's sure. way. If, if, if there's a deer in on the road that, that you know, that a fawn or something, you know, I honk my horn. Mm-hmm. If I see, you know, the that fawn. Works. Kind of wandering toward the road, just honk your horn. There are a few little things that you can Uh do, but most of the time, when it comes to orphaned animals, the the best thing is to is to leave them uh, alone and let either let mama take care of them or let nature take care of them. Yeah, and then if there's an injured one, you know there are rehabilitators across the state that you can call, and they often can take them in, but a lot of them are full up this this time of year. So absolutely, you know, and um, we we do have that that wildlife rehabilitator list. you know, tmwildlife.org. There you go, and so folks can can um, call and see if there's space. But like you say, right now, I mean, we're just getting through the spring of the year. Right. There's baby. Everything's just getting ready to, to head out there on their own. And uh-huh. so, uh, yeah, most most rehabbers are full up. You can always call. Yep. And they'll call you back eventually. Yeah. But but right now, you know, and the and the thing is, it's it's just like doctors. You know, first do no harm. You know, and and if in most of the the general public, and even I don't know exactly what you're supposed to do to help a, an orphan animal, and mm-hmm. you can do the wrong thing. So, right. You know, nature knows best. Yep, nature. I like that. Nature knows best. There you go. All right, well, we're gonna move on. Bats in Tennessee. Tell us about bats. Sixteen species. We have sixteen species of bats in, in Tennessee, and as you recall, I mean, for years it was fourteen. You know, but we found that Brazilian freetail bat in Clarksville, and then the Virginia. Um, um, long-eared bat, big-eared bat. I don't know why I said long-eared bat. Big-eared bat. I don't know how you got that confused with 16 to think about. Big, long, yeah, the Virginia yeah, big-eared bat came over in East Tennessee. And so, yeah, we don't have very many of them, but mm-hmm. that's what made our 15th and 16th species uh, that we have. Now, folks, most folks know that, that bats are, you know, are at risk. Uh, they're in jeopardy. The cave-dwelling bats mm-hmm. because of white-nose syndrome. Right. And we do spend a lot of time monitoring caves um, with with bats to, to check on the bat the white nose syndrome, um, you know. And, and and folks don't realize that Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency owns caves. So mm-hmm. one of the ways that we help protect bats is we we purchase the caves that they live in. So we have Bellamy Cave that has gray bats in it. We you know we have Pearson's Cave that has gray bats in it. And you know and what's really interesting is that we we sponsor a lot of research uh we do what we do but we also sponsor research at universities mm-hmm. that's where a lot of our endangered species money right. uh, ends up going that's what a lot of the first state wildlife grant money goes to, to to research and and what is very interesting is that gray bats which is one of our most endangered species in in caves only only hibernates in eight used to be eight caves in in the whole world and here in Tennessee uh, they are immune 
to whiteness syndrome. Awesome. And and it, it's just that's unusual. It's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, one of the projects that we fund, just Tennessee Tech, studying the microbiome of the the, the wings of gray bats to see what is it about them that makes them immune to whiteness syndrome. So a lot on the disease front, we really are kind of we're trying to get up front, you know, on uh-huh. it. So you know, we we look for ranavirus and chytrid fungus that affects in, amphibians. We monitor the, the bat caves for white nose syndrome. You know, we miss net and we find bats that have obviously had white nose syndrome, but they survived. So we see the hope in, in that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but we also see a lot of decline in some of our common species that, that are now being considered for, for listing because they are becoming more and more rare. And I guess in Tennessee, our winters not being as harsh as up north, it, it tends to be easier on the ones that or makes them maybe a little bit more survivable as far as white nose syndrome goes. That was always the hope, you know, is that, uh-huh. that you know you can you can drive in the winter time in in Tennessee and see moths in your headlights, mm-hmm. you know, and you can turn on the front porch light and you'll see a moth flying around in you know December, right? Unless it's really really cold. So so you know we'll have fifty degree days. So yes, you know, so our bat species, you know, if any of them are going to have a chance, they would have a chance to make it through the winter if they. Came out of you know hibernation. And that, you know, that tends to be what happens with white nose. Yes, with white nose syndrome, it's a fungus, and so it makes them want to preen. It makes them want to try to get that fungus off of their face and off of their their wings. And so when they should be sleeping, uh-huh. when they should be dormant in a in a torpor state, they're they're not true hibernators except for the little brown bat. But when they're in their torpor state, they should be sleeping and in reserving fat uh, to get through the winter. Mm. But instead, they're they're preening and and, and they're itching. So they're right. trying to make you know the fungus stop itching. Uh-huh. So they're using up in, you know valuable fat reserves, and so then they get hungry or thirsty, and they leave the cave in, in harsh conditions. And, right. Yeah. So. Um, well, to learn more about bats, our website. Mm-hmm. Once again, I've got that. If you're watching, y'all can click and or see that. Uh, a lot of brown, uh, a lot of bats in Tennessee. So. Go to our website, tnwildlife.org, and that's a great place to find that information. All right, let's move on to snakes, which I've had an encounter with a snake here the other day, and I'd like to talk about that and get your input on that. But we have 32 species of snakes and only four that are venomous, so that's pretty cool. That's very true, and it is cool. It is cool. Most of the time you see a snake, it's going to be harmless and and beneficial, you know, because they do eat a lot of rats and and mice. Right, so 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 let me see if I can can get this. Cottonmouth? Yes. Timber rattlesnake. Yes. Pygmy rattlesnake. Correct. Cotton uh, copperhead. There you go. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I might have studied last four night just to make sure. There you go. I always forget that. And then the the cottonmouth is also called sometimes water moccasin. Sometimes correct. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Well, check out this footage if you're watching at home. I captured this in my backyard the other day, and we've determined it's a king snake eating a garter snake, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Tell us why snakes do this and what's what's so, so cool about this. Well, it, it's incredibly cool because even if you don't like snakes, you, you should like king snakes because their favorite food are, you know, are other snakes. Mm-hmm. And, and in this particular case, it's eating a, a garter snake, so it's eating a snake that could be considered help, you know, helpful. A good snake. <laughs> a good snake. Yeah. You know, but they also eat copperheads, you mm-hmm. know. You know it's, it's, uh, studies have proven that if, if, if you collect the musk, 
of a king snake, and you spread a line across where you know copperheads go. A copperhead will go right up to that line, and they'll turn around and go the opposite direction. Wow. So they can smell the musk of mm. a king snake. So king snakes eat other snakes. They eat, you know, reptiles. They also eat amphibians. Um, you know, um, one of the cool things that we see when we're doing surveys is are unusual things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you catch a king snake, you a lot of times you're going to get a twofer because they'll throw up. <laughs> So they'll throw up another snake sometimes. And and I've had one throw up a tiger salamander. So, you know. (laughs) That's funny. I know. But, yeah. So, you know, they eat other snakes. It's just their favorite food. That's their niche. Mm -hmm. Their, you know, special, um, you know, partition in nature is is they like to eat other snakes. Well, I'm happy to have that one around. Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure the the wife and kids is happy to have it. But Uh, (laughs) but, uh, I think I've got the, the king snake. Been visiting my garage as oh, well, good. so well they will keep my mice population Absolutely. down. <laughs> They'll eat rats and mice too, but they they just like to eat other other snakes, you know. And when you think about it, um, in in nature, you know, a lot of times you have spe- you know competition over resources. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if, if if something can eat something else that's competing for the same resources, well, they're going to just take out that competition. Nature yeah. taking they, its course. There you go. Nature <laughs> taking its course is you know first course there. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what was the well anyway. All right, well, let's move on to salamanders. We're going to run out of time. We've got about two or three minutes here. Okay. Uh, salamanders, 56 species. Tell us oh, about salamanders. Man. You know, and uh, salamanders are one of my favorite things in the in the whole world. And, and Tennessee is the salamander capital of the world uh, because we have the biosphere called the Great Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, those glaciers pushed a lot of salamanders into the mountains. And, and yes, they, they turned into many, many species up there. And one so, cool one is a hellbender. I think oh, those are absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. And the, so the hellbender is our largest uh, salamander in the state. It's the largest salamander in the in the country. So, uh, and they are, um, we have put them as state endangered. They're not federally endangered. That was looked at and it was decided not to, except for mm-hmm. you know, a population in Missouri. Uh-huh. But uh, here in Tennessee, we have made them state endangered. And, and we have a lot of work going on with hellbenders. You know, we work with the zoo, we work with the Tennessee State University, uh, we work with, uh, you know, a lot of universities in, in the state to, to work with the uh, hellbender surveys. Uh, we build uh, hellbender nesting boxes mm, in, to put them cool. in, in the rivers. Uh-huh. We work with the zoo uh, on that. And so we it's a multi-state effort in order to, to try to bring back the, the hellbenders, you know. And there's projects now going on with private landowners um, with the NRCS uh, where folks can do best management practices on their land that, that's adjacent to, to rivers that have hmm. um, hellbenders in them. I you know, didn't because because that. the number cool. one cause of a lot of the decline of hellbenders is water quality associated with, with sedimentation. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we can increase riparian zones, if you know if we can keep the, the soil on the land and, and out of the, the rivers, then that's gonna be very incredibly helpful yeah. to, to hellbenders. So a lot of stuff going on with hellbenders. They're they're a super cool animal. Awesome, awesome. All right, so let's do this one real quick uh, two species 22 species of frogs Absolutely. and toads in the state and you can find more information about those on our website dnwilds.org uh, diverse habitat it's amazing bottomland hardwoods and wetlands 60,000 miles of streams you mentioned that earlier mm-hmm. the topography is amazing Karst country, a lot of caves, 10,000 caves. We've got over 10,000 caves in Tennessee, and TWA owns 515 of them. And then non-game definition, non-game species means any wild mammal, bird, amphibian, reptile, fish, mollusk, crustacean, or other wildlife not ordinarily taken for sport, fur, food, or other commercial use. And they are all protected. Yes. 
So anyway, there's a few numbers. If you're watching, you can check those out. But hey, we're glad you're we're able to be with us today, Pandy. Great information, a lot of cool information. We'll have to have you back and do Absolutely. more of this. Absolutely. Thank you again, Pandy. Great job. Enjoyed yeah. it. You're very welcome. So thank you all for tuning in and listening and watching to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then. I'm Charlie Daniels. When I was a kid, I loved baseball and football and all kind of stuff, but my favorite pastime was when my daddy would get me up early in the morning, we'd go hunting or fishing. Out in the fresh air, on the water, or back in the woods, and you learn a lot. You got kids, take them hunting, take them fishing. Join me, buy a hunting or fishing license. Let's keep wildlife in Tennessee. That's a doggone good thing. Buy your license today at GoOutdoorsTennessee.com.